0: All right, good afternoon, New Philadelphia Church. So good to see you guys today. Good afternoon, Itewan and everyone watching on YouTube. Today's sermon is going to be a little bit different uh, than usual, and I think I said that last time too, but uh, someone's not going to be on sex. Uh, it's going to be instead uh, about what God's been doing in, in my life and in the ministry these past eight years. And so, Uh, It's going to be a bit more testimonial, a bit more sharing, so you guys have my permission to put your notes away uh, if you don't want to take notes, but those of you who are dedicated to taking notes, you can title it Father to the Fatherless, Father to the Fatherless. So to give a brief background about myself, uh, I graduated from Virginia Tech with an engineering degree, grew up in Northern Virginia, and then at the end of 2005, I was led by God to come to South Korea and live in a children's home. Geo and Christian Children's Home, and I lived there for three years. In 2006, I founded a volunteering ministry called Jerusalem Ministry. Uh, became an NGO in 2007, and I've continued to serve here uh, all these these years, serve uh, at the orphanage, serve through Jerusalem Ministry, and also serve here at New Philadelphia Church. And uh, if some of you have served with Jerusalem Ministry, whether it's through uh, arts and crafts camp, soccer camp, Tutoring, Christmas Secret Angel, or another fundraiser. Go ahead and just raise your hand right now, those of you that have served with our ministry. Okay, thank you guys for serving. Give, give yourselves a round of applause. Good job. Thank you for serving the orphan. I've been really blessed over the years. Uh, Jerusalem Ministry is an independent ministry, and so we have uh, people serving from Jubilee Church, Onuri, uh New Harvest, Young Knock, different churches around Seoul, uh, but most of our staff is here at New Philadelphia Church. And so I actually want to introduce two of my faithful staff. Without them, this ministry would have fallen apart. Uh, G Lee. Where's G? Ji, could you stand up? Where are you, G? Right there. G came in 2008. She's been serving faithfully. And Mi Jung. Uh, where's Mi Jung? stand up. There we go. So we are full-time staff, and that means we're, we live as missionaries. We live off of support. And so I want to encourage you guys, get to know G, get to know Mijong. They have so many stories. Uh, They really possess God's heart, Uh, not just for the orphan, but for the lost. You'll be so blessed in meeting them. Uh, Last year, the staff of Jerusalem Ministry, we established Oak Tree Project. And it's a scholarship mentoring program for orphans who want to attend college. And we are able to accept four students last year in 2013 and mentor them. And then this year, we're able to accept six more. And uh, it's my joy to announce that New Philadelphia Church had a part uh, in this scholarship fund. Uh, Through the FRF, Fellowship Restoration Fund, Pastor Christian, Pastor Aaron, and the core leaders agreed to uh, fund one of the scholarships for our students. So thank you, New Philly Church, uh, for your offerings. Praise God for that. You're going to hear through what I share today that Oak Tree Project really honors the spirit uh, of the Fellowship Restoration Fund. Um, after the service, I want to get these announcements out of the way before I get in, because it's, it's going to get into story time, and I don't like to interrupt it with announcements. Uh, if your heart gets stirred by what I share today, I want to encourage you guys to go to the back. Uh, some tables, I believe, will be out in the foyer where you can get informational cards, brochures about Jerusalem ministry, our volunteering ministry, and about Oak Tree Project. Uh, we are really seeking more prayer supporters for Oak Tree Project. We send one email update. It's once a month. Uh, And it's about the kids. And it's crucial to be praying for these children. The different temptations that they face, I'm going to get into it a bit more. They really need people, not just mentoring them, not just providing financial support, but especially praying for them. There are so few people in this world who are praying for the orphans, so few people in Korea praying for the orphans of Korea. And so I want to encourage you guys to check out that information outside. And uh, if your heart gets stirred to financial support, uh, I want to just encourage New Philadelphia Church to support your missionaries, uh, to support G, to support Mijong, to really consider them, because without them, this whole program wouldn't happen. Uh, And so that's just my encouragement to you guys. Uh, One last announcement is that in September, over Chuseok weekend, uh, we're going to have our third annual Ride Against Traffic. And this time it's going to be from Pusan to Seoul. And so we're going to try and get 50 riders together. And uh, the riders will be sponsored by different people. The sponsoring will go towards Oak Tree Project and towards other ministries to fight against sex trafficking. And so if you're interested in doing this, it will be over Chusak holiday, so you won't miss a day of work or of school. Uh, Please see James Lee. James, if you could raise your hand in the back. Uh, Here at Hillside, if you're at Itaewon, you can see Chris Prasad. And uh, he'll help sign you guys up with that. I'm going to try and do it this year. Try and do it. So come on. Alright, let's get let's get into the sharing. Enough announcements. Let's get in the word. Open up your Bibles to Psalm chapter 68. We're gonna look at two passages, one in the Old Testament and the other in the New. Psalm sixty eight. Verse 5 and 6. Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6. It reads in the ESV Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. The NIV reads God sets the lonely in families. God sets the lonely in families and families. He is a father to the fatherless. And I just want to say, before even preaching, um, your truth and your reputation is only as good as your word. Your truth, your reputation is only as good as your word. And what we're reading today in Psalm 68, and what we're about to read in James, it's God's word. God's word is truth. And if God's word isn't real, if God's word doesn't live up, then how can you trust in God? But this word that we're reading today really is truth. His heart is for the orphan. He sets the lonely in families. And that's not just the orphan. That's you guys as well. This is God's heart. And so when we pray for the orphan, when we pray for the broken, when we pray for the hurting, we have to pray with faith, standing on this word and knowing that God will live up to his word because he is truth. He is the one that we can trust in the most. Let's turn to James chapter 1, verse 27. James in the New Testament, towards the back, after the book of Hebrews. James chapter 1, verse 27. Read it in the ESV again. It says, Religion. That is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows and their affliction and to keep one'self unstained from the world and i v is to to care for orphans and widows and their distress, to visit them and their affliction and it didn 't take long for me when I moved into the children 's home at the end of two thousand and five i couldn 't speak any Korean, uh, but I started to learn from the kids, started to learn by taking classes. And I noticed right away that there was a huge void when the kids would graduate in terms of their care, in terms of their protection, in terms of their safety. And I remember after one of the first graduations hearing about some of the graduates struggling with depression, struggling with suicidal thoughts, and one of the dorm parents who could speak English was telling me about the fear that kids have, even when they're as young as in elementary school, of graduating and having to move out. And that when they see their older young... Uh, or their older nuna, when, when they graduate and they have to see them leave the home where they had lived all their life, there's that fear in knowing someday I'm going to have to leave as well. Someday I'm no longer going to be fed. I'm no longer going to be clothed. I'm no longer going to have someone looking out for me. But I'm going to have to take care of myself alone out there. And we, I noticed this. And, and right away my prayer before I even founded Jerusalem Ministry was, God, I, I pray for the Korean church to rise up. And I pray for these kids to be taken care of. Uh, What happens with these kids when they graduate is that they're given a $5,000 stipend from the government. $5,000. And they're basically left uh, to leave the home. Uh, What the homes will try and do, because the homes care for the kids, is they'll try and find them some sort of housing. Whether it's government housing or it's some distant relative that they still have. Or they move them in with a group of kids that had already moved out. And so you'll have like four or five boys staying in a very small one room together, uh, getting by. And the home will also try and help them find a job, whether it's just simple working at a convenience store or, or at a restaurant or someplace else to make sure the kid has some sort of income. And then after that, the home still has to take care of their 60 or 80 kids. So at that point, it's, it's goodbye. And some of the kids will visit during Lunar New Year's or, or during Chusuk, uh, but But that's about it. They're left to themselves. And I've noticed over these years watching these kids is that a lot of them will lose a lot of weight after they move out because uh, their job barely gets them by. And so they also never really cooked for themselves or took care care of themselves. So they eat a lot of ramen. They eat a lot of kimbap, a lot of cheap food. They don't eat every meal every day. Uh, And they really struggle to get by. And the sad thing is about these kids is uh, orphans are, are looked down upon in Korea. Because bloodline is so important. Your bloodline is your identity. It's who you are. It's your family name. It's your parents' background. It's very Confucianistic. And because these kids were raised in an orphanage, they don't really have a bloodline. When they fill out a job application and they have to fill out about their mom and their dad, they can't write anything. They just write, I was raised in a children's home. And because of that, uh, a lot of them won't get jobs. Or if they get jobs, they'll get lower pay than their other coworkers. And what I found among a number of the kids is that many of the girls get advanced upon uh, in these jobs. It's like their bosses just know that they're easy prey uh, and will begin sexually advancing upon them. And some of these girls have to quit these jobs. Uh, And it's even harder for the kids that get into college. For the kids that get into college, you think, great, they have opportunity. They're going to succeed. But the truth is they have to pay for their tuition. And so they go to the school, and then they have to work part-time. Almost full time, the rest of the day, in order to get by. And then they barely have enough time to study, let alone have a social life. So we found a lot of kids that will go to to college is that they would end up quitting uh, after a short amount of time. Or they would have to get jobs at bars or different seedy places because they would have to work at night so you have these 18-year-old girls or 19-year-old girls having to work at bars and at karaoke bars, at different places where you know it's unhealthy, where all the consumers, all the customers are older males. And so we saw these kids need help. And it's not just they need financial support. They also need emotional support. We found that a lot of these kids, because now they're on their own, now they don't have the staff at the home looking out for them, they don't have all their friends uh, with them, you need hugs, You need people to speak life into you. You need the knowledge that I'm not alone and that people care for me. And so we've seen some of these kids, they become very vulnerable for sex trafficking. They become very vulnerable to wrong relationships. So we wanted to make a change for this. Uh, As I said, I I prayed a lot uh, over the years. I wanted to see the Korean church do something. uh, But God began to burn in my heart. I've been here eight years now. And God said, it, it's got to start with you. I've given my heart to you and to your staff. Just trust in me and I'll make a way. And that's what God really put in our hearts. And so in 2011, we had a benefit concert, our first benefit concert. And we were able to raise a, a good sum of money from that. And then at Good Friday service uh, a couple of years ago, they took a, an offering for our ministry. And with that money Putting it all together, we knew, okay, we can start this scholarship fund, and we'll just keep it among our staff. We'll try and accept three kids this year, and we'll pray that next year we can accept six more and have nine. That was our humble beginning, and that was the way we started. And uh, just last year, during Lunar New Year's, uh, I met up with a couple girls who had graduated from my home. I, I just felt on my heart, hey, it's, it's Lunar New Year's. That's when everyone gets together with their relatives, even distant relatives. They travel all around Korea, and I just knew my kids didn't have that. And so uh, I was led to make a little Facebook invite and say, hey, let's meet like family and, and spend Lunar New Year's together. And uh, I sent that, and, and they responded. And we went, and we met up at uh, Shindorim uh, at DQ Ball, and, and we were having lunch together. And I was just asking them, hey, you know, what are your plans for the rest of the holiday? And I asked one of the girls that, and she just burst into tears. And uh, it was heavy, heavy crying. And so we're just kind of sitting there, you know hoping it will pass by, and it's just not passing by to the point where Skye had to kind of help her up and and run off to the restroom. And there in the restroom, she just kept crying and crying, and she confessed to Skye that she had been dreading Lunar New Year's because she knew she didn't have family uh, to go to and that she would be alone. And she had been going through so much stress at her work, she had to quit. This was one of those girls that had been advanced upon, uh, had to keep changing her jobs. Uh, just was in a very difficult state, emotionally, financially, really difficult. And so a lot of her tears were because of that, because of all the exhaustion, the stress. But she also said to my wife, I'm also, I'm really crying because I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you guys made this time for me and that we're able to do this together. And that when I saw that Facebook invite and I saw let's, let's meet like family, um, it really touched my heart. And she was able to finally pull herself together and we were able to have a good meal And uh, just watching a movie together. Very simple time. But God was just burning in my heart. You got to do this, Oak Tree Project. You got to make this happen. These kids need love. And God says he sets the lonely in families. That's his truth, right? But why is it not happening? He's a father to the fatherless. Well, why do we have all these orphanages? It's that question that every Christian gets asked at some point. Why is there hurting in this world? If God is love, then why are there so many people that are unloved, that are bruised, that are battered, and that are alone? And what God has convicted me over these years in serving the orphanage and meeting so many people in distress is the reason why they're suffering in this world. The reason why there's so many of these unloved people is because the church is asleep and they're not paying attention. They're living selfishly. They're not caring for the ones that are on my heart. And if they would just pray, if they would just get plugged in with me, they would see it's, it's a lot easier than they think and that they can love so many. And so God said, Make this happen, and I will take this very small ministry and I will make it grow. And so uh, in 2012, we started Oak Tree Project. And uh, I'm going to start a slideshow and show you guys these kids. But first and foremost, I want to show you guys a slide of our logo. And uh, good, we got it in the back. My wonderful wife, Sky, made this logo, she's very talented. Where do we get the name Oak Tree Project? Well, if you are a member of New Philadelphia Church, especially if you're a leader, you should know our theme verse. It's in Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And it goes on in these verses about if we're really anointed, if we're really sons and daughters of God, then we have his Holy Spirit. And it's not just so that we can praise and and have fun and go to church and go home. It's so that we can love the brokenhearted. It's so that we can proclaim freedom for the captives. It's so that we can comfort those who mourn. That's why God's given us his spirit. It's not just so that we can live and die and enjoy a relationship with him and live selfishly. It's so that we can live selflessly. Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. And he says, go and do likewise. That's his heart. And at the end of Isaiah 61, verse three, it says, they, the people that you serve, they shall be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And what God has convicted me over the years is orphan ministry, children's ministry, it's seed planting ministry, it's planting seeds Of love, And Paul himself says, I planted the seeds, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. And, you know, Paul went over all these different churches and he kept sharing about the gospel. And little churches would form these little seeds. But so much more it is with children's ministry. If you were to ask your mom, what was the greatest, tell me one of the greatest moments of raising your son, raising your daughter. She probably wouldn't be like, oh, I just remember that one time when she was 12 years old. She would probably be overwhelmed. And be like, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't really know, but I remember that one vacation and I remember these different memories. But it probably wouldn't be a memory of, I remember when I shared the gospel with her and, and she got healed of, of this disease and, and got raised from the dead. You know, like something like that. It's not some like super miraculous moment, but rather raising kids, it's seed planting. It's seed planting. You don't know how they're going to turn out 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. But you just got to trust, I'm planting these seeds. God has put entrusted this person to me, and I'm just going to love them. Some of them, those seeds grow right away. Others, it goes deep. And usually the deeper it goes, the stronger the roots are, and the more they rise up. So we called this ministry Oak Tree Project. And if you look at that logo, you'll see a cloud, a storm cloud at the bottom, and a tree rising up out of it. And what I've just witnessed with these kids is that they have been raised... In the storms of life. These kids have faced rejection from the moment they entered the children's home. Living with that stigma of when they're with their friends and their friends are like, where do you live? Tell me about your family. Uh, Some of them just don't say anything. Others say, hey, I I live in a children's home. I don't have any family. And they're raised in the knowledge of I'm going to be on my own after I graduate. The knowledge that when they apply for jobs, it's going to be a lot harder. They're raised in the storms of life. And our prayer isn't that we rescue them. From these storms of life. Our prayer isn't that. Hey lean on my shoulder. I'll be your crying shoulder. For the rest of your life. And you can just get by. No our prayer is that. They'll get rooted. In these storms of life. That they'll rise up out of them. Strong. Above the storm clouds. Nothing able to shake them. That's our prayer. For these students. And so you see. It's a storm cloud. But it's got roots. And they're rising up. As mighty oaks. We want to see these kids. Change Korea tell you some names of of people that would have been raised in an orphanage. Some of them were Steve Jobs, Johann Sebastian Bach, Nelson Mandela, John Lennon, uh, many others, different past U.S. presidents uh, were orphaned. And yet they rised up. They, They were raised up as mighty oaks. Because there were people that spoke into their lives, because they had different people taking care of them, they were able to overcome. And our prayer is that these kids here in Korea That maybe before they weren't able to, but now through Oak Tree Project, through these mentors, through the scholarship fund, they're going to be able to rise up. These diamonds are going to be revealed. And we're going to see Korea have their own Steve Jobs, have their own Nelson Mandela, have different people that are going to change this peninsula for the good. That's our prayer. And so we started in 2013. Our goal was just three, but God granted us four. We had four recipients. And so our first recipient uh, was Chiwi. This young girl, she was a theater major, a two-year theater major. And she had already finished her first year when she found out about the scholarship. And her story is, is that in 2012, during her first year in college doing drama, uh, she accepted Christ. And she began to attend church. And she was really loving the Lord, really just eating it up, enjoying the fellowship. But then towards the end of the year, she got taught about tithing. Tithing. And if you think tithing is difficult for you, imagine if you're an orphan having to work part-time, having to scrape by. She knew if she were to tithe 10% of her monthly income, she couldn't eat certain days of the month because she just didn't have much money at all. And so it, it required a lot of faith for Jiwei, But she was tasting and she was seeing that the Lord was good. And, and so she decided, I'm going to do it and I'm going to trust that God will provide. And so the same week that she gave her first tithe, she found out about Oak Tree Project. And she knew this is God's provision. And so she applied, and she got accepted into our ministry. And uh, we're so proud of Jiwi. So proud of her. Um, Next slide. This is Young Suk. He's a social welfare major. His desire is to graduate and to go back and to work in the children's homes and to serve the children. And uh, Sky and I uh, are mentoring him. Next slide. This is Chochun. Uh He is a tourism major, and he's also studying Japanese, and Sky and I also mentor this boy. Next slide. This is Hanler. He's a computer information technology major, and he's being mentored by Mijong. And all three of those boys, they attend the same university south of Seoul. Uh, next slide. This is a monthly gathering, a picture of one of our monthly gatherings. The way we do this uh, Oak Tree Project is they receive 500,000 won a month, which goes towards their living needs. We don't provide a scholarship for their tuition, but rather our prayer is that by providing their living needs, the food, clothing, transportation, cell phone, all those things, they'll be able to focus on their studies. And through focusing on their studies, they can get scholarships for uh, their university. And we found that with a, with a lot of these kids, that if they're just given that opportunity to study, they can really excel. So they get 500,000 won. And then what we also do is we, we set up a mentor with them who's committed to them until they graduate. So like I said, Sky and I are mentoring Chorchun and and uh, Young Suk. Mee Jung's mentoring Haner. They're in their second year. They have a few more years to go. Uh, we call them once a week, 10 to 15 minutes, just to check on them, how they're doing. Very similar to the community connection process that some of you guys are going through. Uh, It's just calling up. How are you doing? Do you have any prayer requests? How are you doing with your finances? How are you doing with your friends? These different things. And it's really good. It starts very formal with these children in the early months because you're just building trust. But we found with our boys after this year, they're really opening up. They're having good conversation. It's going beyond just the 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Uh, It's really solid. And then also every month, we make sure to meet with them uh, and have lunch or have dinner. Every few months, we do a family family meal. And so this was one of our first family meals last year. Uh, we had them over to our apartment and made them vò lăm sàm, Vietnamese spring rolls. And it was their first time eating that. And so it was fun to watch them kind of stare at it and, and figure it out. Uh, but they love these family gatherings, just like those girls I was talking about that we met for Lunar New Year's. We find the same thing for with these kids. Uh, some of them, they were, they were saying, this is the first time I've ever been over to an apartment like this uh, with, with somebody. And so it's very special, uh, these monthly gatherings. Next picture. This is a picture of us after our benefit concert last October. Thank you, Alan, for taking that picture. It was a lot of fun. So we do different fundraisers uh, during the year to raise, raise funds for these kids. This was our benefit concert. Uh, next slide. This is a picture of Jiwi. She graduated in February, and we're so proud of her. Uh, She graduated with her theater major, and she faced the same issue that she faced before she applied for our scholarship as she was graduating. The fear set in, knowing that when I graduate, I'm no longer going to receive that stipend, that 500,000 won scholarship, and uh, I'm going to be on my own. I have to get a job. Theater major, that, that type of line of work is very difficult to even get a job, uh, but then their jobs are usually very low pay. Uh, most of them have to live with their family uh, in order to get by. And she didn't have family. And so there was a lot of fear within her what do I do? And she was even considering should I withhold the tithe? Okay, this happens, different people, you know, and she was, she was considering that. And her mentor, G, uh, encouraged her, told her, keep the faith God's going to provide. And so, Gee, we gave the tithe. And then uh, later that month, in February, she got offered a job through a friend and her professor at her university, a full-time job where she would be able to work, uh, have more than enough to be able to live and get by, and she would also be able to continue with her classes and continue with auditions and chasing her dream uh, and working with a theater major. So praise God. Praise God for God's provision. God says in Philippians 4.19, I will meet all your needs according to my glorious riches. He will meet all your needs as we trust in him. And like I said, our prayer for Oak Tree Project was not that these kids would be leaning on our shoulders the rest of our lives. The last thing you want to do for someone who's broken is just give them, give them sympathy and be like, oh, poor you. Because it just feeds their orphan spirit. It feeds their, their, their just, oh, I'm, I'm so sad. I'm so poor. You know, I'm so poor. Okay, and instead you got to say look you can do this and god is with you who will never leave you nor forsake you Let's pray and let's see god's provision And so we're so proud of chiwi G is going to continue to be in touch with her as as we are as a staff uh, But we know she's in god's hands and god's not going to fail her And so uh, chiwi ended her her program And so we had three students and this year as we prayed we were able to accept six more six new recipients through God's provision. And so next picture. This is Young Jim. Young Jim is another social welfare student. Who also wants to graduate and go back. And work in the orphanages. Uh, give back to the children. Next slide. This is Dae And he's studying architecture. And next slide. We have Sora. She's studying uh, to be a dietitian, And uh, her mentor. Some of you guys might know her. Next slide. Uh, this is Gina. Gina Kim from Hillside has committed to mentor Sora until she graduates. And so we're really thankful for Gina's commitment. Next picture. This is Sabine. Sabine is yet another social welfare student. And you guys will also know her mentor. Next slide. Tahe. <laughs> Tahe uh, from Hillside. So we're thankful for Tahe and her commitment. Uh, next slide. We have Sujin. Sujin is a nursing major studying to become a nurse. And you will also know her mentor. Sunny. Thank you, Gina, Tai, and Sunny for loving our kids. Uh, We're really thankful for you guys. Uh, And last we have Taeyang. Taeyang is studying green engineering at Kanguk, So we're we're excited for him. He's being mentored by Ji Lee. Ji Lee. There you go. Okay, and uh, just a few weeks ago, we had our first meeting with our students. And so this was at a coffee shop in Shinsa. We gathered them together and gave them orientation. We went through all the different rules that you need to go to church, you have to take sermon notes, you have to keep a budget, you have to answer the phone once a week, meet with us once a month. It sounds like a lot, but it's really not that much. It's really not that much. And uh, we're sharing with them, and and here I'm I'm doing some teaching on thankfulness. Really teaching them to have a thankful heart. If you're going to serve an Oak Tree Project, you have to be able to speak Korean. So, yes, I'm teaching all in Korean here. They were paying close attention because they couldn't understand me that well. And and they found it very amusing to see a white guy speaking Korean. But we had a great meeting with them. And uh, these six have such potential. We actually had 12 applicants uh, for Oak Tree Project for this year. We We were blown away by the number. And we were very sad to have to say no uh, to six of them, but we were really thankful for these six. Uh, high potential in each of them. Uh, beautiful hearts, beautiful children. So next picture, this is a picture of just uh, all the new recipients and their mentors. It includes Heather and Alex from Jubilee. They're also mentoring, as is a former uh, dorm mom from my children's home, Kyungmi. Uh, she's come out here a few times. What I want to share with you guys today is a story, uh, next slide, about these two girls, Sabine and Sujin, and in particular, Sabine these two girls are from my children's home, and uh, I have taught them English. I started teaching them English in 2006, and right away, they were two of my closest uh, in the children's home. And I say that, you know, I, I love all the kids, and so if I put up other pictures of the kids, I would also call them very close. But I do have to say, Sabine and Sujin, because I taught them from 2006 to I taught them till 2010, all those years, we really got close. Uh, we really had a lot of fun. So, last slide. This is 2006. Sabine. Some people ask about my style before I married Skye. <laughs> this shirt was actually a gift by one of the workers at the children's home because she saw what I was wearing and uh, gave me a shirt. So, Sabine. Yeah, that was Sabine, and uh, she was in. Fifth grade, just became fifth grade in that picture. So I want to share uh, about these two kids. Uh, I, I started teaching them, as I said, when they were in fifth grade, and I taught them through ninth grade. And after ninth grade, they graduated from middle school, and they ended up going to high school. And in high school, they had to attend what's called Yaja, which is after school program. They would get home around midnight, uh, 1230 in the morning. And so no more English class uh, after they got into high school. Uh, I would see them very rarely, usually just on holidays or when I would happen to be at the home on a Sunday uh, And just visit them and say hi but it was over those years that Kind of grew a little bit distant with them um, Because I just didn't get to see them as much But of course my heart was still there for them and they of course their heart was still for me Whenever we would see each other we'd have a lot of fun and I have to share about these kids that Living with these kids for so many years, uh, if you know, my heart is for North Korea. And we named the ministry Jerusalem Ministry off of Acts 1-8 because we believe, as God said in Acts 1-8, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is where you're at for the apostles, Judea, the favored land to the south, Samaria, the rejected land to the north, and then to the ends of the earth. We felt that Seoul was our Jerusalem. Even though our heart was for the rejected land to the north, North Korea, uh, God was telling me, be faithful where you are right now. Love these kids where they're at. And as you're faithful with little, I will entrust you with much more. I'll give you favor with, with the favored land to the South, South Korea, and with the rejected land to the North, North Korea. So that's why we named it Jerusalem ministry. And, uh, at the children's home, uh, as I started to learn Korean now and then I would share with the kids about my heart for North Korea. And, uh, even in English classes, I would write something out about North Korea and, and they would have to read it and translate it. And, uh, it was always very shocking for them to hear anything good about North Korea because in their schools, they were always taught that uh, North Koreans are, are liars, are cheaters, are, are bad people who started the war and, and do these horrible things. And so when they hear that I want to go in, at first they're like appalled, like, no, you know, J.M., don't go, don't go. But then I'll share, no, God's put this on my heart, and there's many, many children that, that need help, and I want to go, and I want to build children's homes for them and take care of them. And I'll ask my kids, and I'll say, you know, do you, do you want to go with me later on? And they'll all pause for a moment, and they're like, yeah, yeah I, want to, I want to go with you. And for some of the young, young kids, they're like, but, but what about school? You know, like, <laughs> like all right, not, not yet, not yet, you know, finish school, but, but then we'll go. But this isn't just me with my kids. It's the same for G. It's the same for Mijong. Uh, because we've lived in the homes, because we've, we've been so faithful to these kids over these years, a lot of the staff in the homes, they change year to year. Uh, every few years they get new dorm parents, different people taking care of them. But we've been the mainstay. We've been the ones that have been with them over the years. Like I said, you know, showed you that picture of Sabine when she was just turning into fifth grade, and now she's graduated. We've been with them over these years, and so there's a level of trust, a level of family between them. And so if one of us were to say, hey, come follow me, come, let's do this together, I want to do this with you, these kids, they, they just, they get excited. Wait, I get to be with family again? I get to continue to be with you? I'm all in. I don't care what South Korea, what, what my school has said about North Korea, I'm going to go. That's their heart. And uh, it's the same for Sabine and Soojin. Uh, we shared with them, Sky and I met up with them uh, during their last few months at the home, and, and we shared our heart. Uh, Again and about North Korea, I shared some testimonies with them, and they really, it it really sank in. And they knew it's it's far away. They knew it's not something that's going to happen right away. Uh, But Sujean, in particular, she was like, I I really want to go. And I knew Sabine was also processing it. And I know her heart is to go back and to serve these orphans. She's a social welfare major. So these kids, they're so precious. Uh, They're so dear to me. And what happened was, they applied for this scholarship fund along with 10 other students. We got all these applications. And at the time in January, we only had enough to accept our three returning students and get two more. Five students in January. That meant out of 12, we could only take two. And our prayer was that we could get six. So we prayed. And we looked over these applications. And then Pastor Christian got back to me. We giving for a scholarship. Uh, Then suddenly, these two other guys found out and they said, we want to provide another scholarship. And then... Money came in for yet another. And so we were able to accept five students, five. And we're looking through these applications. They are wonderful applications, really good, these different students from different homes around the city. And uh, my staff looked at me, and they said, all right, well, tell us about Sabine and Sujin. And you know what? All I could tell about them was when I knew them when they were in elementary school and middle school, when they were going through puberty, (laughs) which isn't a beautiful time for uh, a lot of young girls. And I was just sharing that, okay, you know, this is how they are. Sujin, she prays. I've seen her pray. Um, She's hungry for God. She's asked me about God a number of times. Uh, She's outgoing. I think she'll do really well. Uh, But for Sabine, I had to be honest. Uh, Sabine is a lot more quiet, uh, especially when I knew her in elementary school and junior high. She's a very dear girl, very sweet. But she never showed interest in God. Uh, Never, you know, and I'd ask her to pray. No, no, no. You know, I don't want to pray. And, and. um I just wasn't sure. And I'd heard she was talking to a a girl that had graduated from the home and had gone on to college, and was hearing about it. And, and it seemed like she wanted to experience the world a bit, you know, kind of get out. And so I had my concerns. Would she go to church every week? Would she really respond to her mentor? Would she really do well? I wasn't sure. I hadn't been with Sabine for three years. And so when I shared about her, I was just honest. Hey, this is this is, you know, what, what I can share, you know, about her. And so they went through all these applications, and uh, we weighted them according to different things. And I let Ji and Mee Jung and Sky make the final decision because all the applications were in Korean, and they were very long. I tried to read them, guys. I tried, but <laughs> I, I lasted like six lines, and then I'm like, all right, you know, for, forget it. And so I relied on them, and uh, it ended up Sujin made the cut, but Sebin didn't. Sebin didn't make the cut. And... Um, uh, my heart really dropped, but I knew deep inside that I can't, we can't do favoritism in this ministry. We really need to go with those that God is highlighting. And so I said, okay, I'll let my home know uh, that Sabine didn't get it. And uh, just knowing that I would see Sabine, um, it was so heavy in my heart. And I went to home. It began a very interesting week. I went to my home on a Monday, and Sabine wasn't there. She had her after school thing. And so I just talked to the manager. And I said, Sujin got the scholarship. Yay! But Sabine didn't. And I could tell the manager was really sad, you know, of course. And I was really sad. And I was trying to be like, Sujin, you know, but I just knew. And she was like, well, I guess we, we have to tell Sabine. And um, I let them handle that. I let them talk with the dorm mom and let her know. And uh, it was just so heavy on my heart. Uh, the next Tuesday, the next day, I went to the children's home. I was in the line of the cafeteria for dinner with, with the kids. And Sabine came in. And we saw each other. And for a split moment, it was like we, we didn't remember what you know it had just happened. And we were both like, hey, you know, like usual, really happy to see each other. And then it suddenly hit, I think, both of us at the same time. And there was that awkward pause. Like, like you don't want to talk about it. And you don't know what to do. And so she you know, did this and, and went to her seat and she sat elsewhere and I sat with my other kids and and I, my heart was so heavy, but I felt God saying, entrust her to me. And I was praying. I'd been praying ever since we knew that we wouldn't be accepting her. God, provide for Sabine. Take care of her. Uh, you've always had me entrust these children to you. I'm entrusting her to you. God, may you just provide. And uh, and God was saying, don't worry about your relationship with her. Love never fails." And so after eating dinner, I went over to her table, and and I sat with her, and we were able to talk, and and it was good. And I think she was even relieved that I was talking with her, and I could tell she didn't hold a grudge against me or anything like that. Uh, And I told her, hey, I'm going to be at your graduation this week. I'll be at your graduation. I could tell she was really excited about that. I've made it a point uh, since I came to the home to attend every kid's graduation that I can at least, every kid's graduation. And so oftentimes we won't go on winter missions uh, because of graduation time in February. And it means so much for these kids to have someone that's been with them over the years there at their graduation when it's just their other dorm mom or maybe some other worker from the home being their family. And uh, it's, it means a lot. And I could tell it meant a lot to Sabine. And so that, that blessed me. And I went home joyful that our relationship was okay, but I, my heart was still heavy for Sabine. And I kept praying. Wednesday night, I got an email. And it was from a financial supporter for one of our other uh, full-time missionaries. And he asked, he said, well, I found out about Oak Tree Project, what you guys are doing. And I wondered if it was too late for me to sponsor a child for this year. And immediately, this hope kind of came up within me for Sabine. But I also knew that there was a reason why we, we didn't accept her. And and I also knew we didn't have much time to find a mentor to ask someone, hey, can you mentor this kid for four years and be there for this child? That's a commitment, guys. That's hard to find. Um, Thankfully, we got some 10 year commitments here, but you also (laughs) got to be able to speak Korean. You got to speak Korean well or else it's going to be very difficult. For four years. And uh, so I let my staff know and uh, we began to pray. And uh, on Thursday in the afternoon, I was preparing to go to the children's home for English classes. And I got a text message from Sabian. And it said, uh, JM, where were you? And I said, what do you mean, where was I? She said, today was my graduation. And I said, stop joking. Sujin, who was her classmate, they would go to the same school, told me it's, it's Friday. She said, no, no, no. Graduation was today. We were both wondering where you were. You can't, you can't imagine where my heart It just, like, disappeared. It was just, like, boom, <laughs> gone. And, and I pick up the phone, and I'm just, I had not missed a kid's graduation. And these two girls that I'd been with the longest and had been so dear to me, I missed their graduation. And so I'm calling Sabine, and I'm so, you know, apologetic. Like, I, I didn't know. I really thought it was tomorrow. We were looking forward to it. I have a graduation gift for you and, and, and everything. And she's like, it's okay. You know, it's okay. Uh, uh, and I said, look, I'm coming tonight. I want you to put on your school uniform and, and, we're gonna take a picture together, uh, at the home. And, uh, she said, okay, okay. And, and I said, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there tonight, uh, after my classes. I'll come up to your room. And, uh, we hung up and then I immediately called Sujin and she's like, Tim, where were you? And I'm like, you told me it was Friday. And she goes, oh, mata. Like, oh, like, uh, oh, I did. I, I messed up. She, she, she had told me a few weeks earlier, Lunar New Year's, and said it was Friday. And then apparently the date got changed, and uh, they, they never informed us. And so Sujin, though, I could tell, was less disappointed. And it wasn't that I, you know, we don't mean as much to her. But what I knew is because she had been accepted in the program, and she knew she would still be seeing me uh, after she graduated. And that we would see each other every few months at the monthly gatherings all together. And, and that that connection wouldn't be cut. But for Sabine, she knew that you know, this, this was it. That maybe we'd see each other once a year, or something like that. But, but probably not that, that often. And so I, I came to the home that night. And my graduation gift to the kids, it's always printed pictures of the kids throughout the years. Uh, And so I go back to my picture files from 2000, end of 2005 when I first arrived and and start going through them. And I find a picture like that of me and Sabine in 2007, 2008, 2009. And uh, I choose the best pictures and print them out and give them to the kids. And it means so much to them. I gave them to the girls. And all the girls in the room start gathering around, looking at them, trying to find if they're in a picture too. And uh, (laughs) Pictures mean a lot to these kids, uh, especially when it's with people that they love. Uh, like me, like Sky, like some of the other staff, and uh, they're looking through them. A lot of them don't have pictures of them when they were kids, especially uh, because they didn't have a cell phone or or anyone really taking pictures of them. And so, Sabine told me, uh, "Jam, it's okay. You know that you missed graduation. This means so much more uh, to me. I'm really thankful for this." And, and uh, we took a picture together. Took different pictures together. Had a good time. And uh, then, as I was leaving, I gave them both hugs goodbye and. And uh, I told Sabine, you know, or Sabine said to me, she goes, boja," uh, like I'll see you in the far distance. And I, actually, I said it first. I was like, boja," like boja," like I'll see you soon. But she knew that probably not. It probably wouldn't be until Chusak or some distant holiday that we might see each other. And so she said, "Najinga boja," like like see you in the far distance. And I said, "No, no." no. Like, I'm, I'm going to see you soon, okay? I know it's a weird Korean, but it's my Korean. And, and so I'm like, I'll see you soon. She understood. And, uh, and so I, I left the home, and I was like, God, make a way for Sebi. Make a way for her. And so we, we contacted some people about mentoring her uh, to consider it, and we gave them, like, three days to make a four-year commitment. Uh, and, and we waited. And on Friday night, uh, our friend Semi who is now on the Sydney church plant, uh, she met up with Sabine. Now, Simi came to Korea in the summer of 2007 to do an internship in my children's home, and she got to know Sabine then, when Sabine was in sixth grade, and they really connected. And after Simi moved back here, and she was serving here at Hillside for many years, she would meet with Sabine uh, on and off. And early on, they would meet once a month, but after Sabine got into high school, same thing for Simi. It became uh, less often, but they would still meet up here and there. And so I told Simi, hey, I want you to... Ask Sabine how she reacted to the scholarship. See where she's at with God. Just see if she can really handle the requirements for the scholarship uh, without giving anything away, of course. So Simi met with her, and uh, that Friday night uh, I I talked with Simi after she met with Sabine, and Simi was just blown away. She said, you know, I, I sat down with Sabine, and she has matured so much. She's really become a young woman. And she shared with me, Sabine shared with me how uh, she heard about the scholarship and she was really sad and discouraged at first But she knew that sujin really needed the scholarship uh, her classmate And so she chose to just bless sujin and she decided to just trust that god would provide And so she prayed uh, She prayed to the lord and Sab- Sabine went on and shared with Simi about different uh, Issues in the home with with the other girls and you know living with girls over the years Just the different stuff that that comes up uh, in that uh, and, and she just shared about those different struggles and how she handled these different relational difficulties with the other girls, and and very maturely, very very well, uh, the way Sabine handled it. And so Simi was blown away, and Simi shared with me, oh, she's she'll do great, she's gonna do great. And I felt that's the confirmation I needed. Okay, if we can get the mentor, we're definitely accepting Sabine. And I talked with my staff, and they were they were all in. Uh, they knew my heart was breaking for Sabine too. So uh, I'm the director, you know. Here we go. <laughs> Um, but that Saturday night, Dahe made that commitment and, uh, she said, I'll I'll do it. Uh, and Tai is good friends with Mijong and she knew our ministry very well and and the sacrifices that's needed, the heart for these kids. And so, you know, highly recommended. We we love Dahe. And so we were excited and, uh, I couldn't wait to call Sabine. And so I found out late Saturday night. So Sunday morning, uh, in the morning, uh, I called Sabine. And you know, I said, Sabine, I have some good news. And she said, You know what? And uh, it was the day that she was moving out of the children's home. This is the day that she was going to move out and to be, be on her own. And, and I said, I have some good news. She said, What? What? I said, Well, um, we got a sponsor who wants to give one more scholarship for uh, the scholarship fund, and we got a mentor. And so we were able to accept one more student for our program, and that student is you. You've been accepted. And she, she just kept responding, really? Like, really? Like, you know, like, really? And, and I said, yeah, you know, Sabine. And, and I told her, you know, 나중에 보자. Let's, let's see each other soon. Not later. Let's see each other soon. We're going to meet this Saturday all together for orientation. And so I'm going to see you there. And um, I was just, man, I, I was like above the clouds after I hung up with her. And I was so thankful to God for God's provision and his grace. And uh, the next day, I went to the children's home for my classes. And her dorm mom, that had been raising her the past few years came up to me. And she said that she had been standing next to Sabine when Sabine got the phone call. And she thought, you know, Sorma, like, maybe, you know, maybe she got it. And she was listening. And, and Sabine, you know, responding. And then she said, when Sabine hung up the phone, Sabine, who I told you, is very reserved, very quiet shouted with joy and they danced in the room together <laughs> with joy knowing that she would be provided for knowing that she would be mentored and knowing that she would continue to be seeing us and uh that blessed me so much just hearing that uh, how much it meant to sabine and uh, our staff we had prayed for six more recipients for this year and god provided it was last second but god provided and he provided us with amazing recipients but I want to tell you guys, this ministry, it's a seed-planting ministry. And it's something where I've had to be taught over the years. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by God's Spirit. And I have to surrender everything to Him and know that He's good. And I want to tell you guys a story. In 2007, it was the hardest year, I, I would say, of my life. 2007. You would think 2006 would be because I moved into this home with 88 kids, immersed, living with them, no friends, uh, you know, no, no fellowship. Uh, Very alone in 2006. But there was so much grace over my life in that year. But in 2007, that grace started to be lifted. And I was learning Korean, and I was teaching my kids, and things got very difficult. Um, A lot of the kids started getting sick. I would have to take care of them in the orphanage. Uh, And then Sujin and Sabine, who were so dear to me in 2006, they hit sixth grade. And (laughs) sixth grade and seventh grade, now that I've been in the home many years, I've learned that's just kind of like stay-away years, you know, from, from the girls. Like, I'm sweet with them and everything, but I can't get hurt uh, if, if they suddenly, like, uh, you know, like, like, go out at me. And what happened was in 07, Sabine and Suji started to change. And they started to become really difficult, uh, not responding at times, talking back. Um, I would ask them. They were getting in trouble uh, in different ways, and, and I would ask about them, and I would talk to their dorm parents, and their dorm parents were having just as difficult a time. Uh, it was really difficult. And for me, I'll tell you guys in 07, I was getting to the point of quitting and just going home. Uh, there were multiple times where I really considered just, forget this. I'm not being effective at all. I'm, I'm trying to love these kids, but they're, you know, I've, I've already loved these kids for a year, and now they're actually treating me worse than before. I'm not seeing a response. And what really broke my heart was I saw Sabin and Sujin getting into trouble and getting into bad friendships with with bad connections just in sixth grade. And there was that fear within me of what's going to happen to them in these coming years. I can't protect them from everything. I can't go to school with them. I can't can't be their full covering. And uh, I got a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, most of all depression. Uh, a lot of depression, heaviness was over me. Different seasons in 07. But at one point, it was very heavy. And uh, I came to the church on a Friday night. Before Friday fire, I met with the prayer team. And I just shared with them about my struggles. And uh, I shared with them just the depression I was going through. And I asked for prayer. And I said, come on, God, you know, just work through their prayers and lift this thing off of me. I could see, tell it was a, it was a heavy spirit that was over me. And they prayed you know, fiery prayers for me. And at the end, they're like, okay, you know, amen, and it's time to do Friday Fire, and I I didn't feel anything lifted. And uh, I just said, okay, God, I just got to take this in faith. You're taking this from me. And I went into Friday Fire, and and we just worshiped, and um, I just kept thinking about these different things, but trying to give it to the Lord. And after Friday Fire, one of the prayer team members came up to me, and she said, John Michael, earlier, I didn't get a chance to tell you, but earlier when we were praying for you, I saw a vision. And uh, in this vision, uh, I saw a balcony up high, and these two young girls ran, and they jumped off the balcony. And then I saw you running from behind, and you came to the balcony, and you reached down. And your arms, they just, they stretched really far, and you were able to catch the girls before they hit the ground. And you pulled them up to the balcony, and, and you had them on the balcony, and then suddenly there were all these kids in front of you. And I watched as your arms, you went to hug them, and your arms just reached out, and you became huge, this big hug, and you were able to hug all the children at once. She said, I hope that means something to you. (laughs) (laughs) I knew right away that those two girls in that vision, they were Sabine and Sujin. And I knew what God was telling me was, you can't catch them in the physical. You can you can strive all you want. But you can't save them in the physical. But it's your prayers. They're going to make a difference. And you don't need to worry about them. My covering is supernatural. That as you pray for them, they're not going to hit the ground. They're not going to fall apart. They're not going to fall away. But they're going to be safe. And as you pray for these kids, you don't have to worry about loving all of them and being a father to each and every one of them. But just know that as you pray... I'm going to love them. And I'm going to send different people in their lives that will take care of them. And that your simple hug, every now and then when you see them, is going to go so much deeper. Because I'm a father to the fatherless. Because I set the lonely in families. Because this is my heart. And uh, I look back now. That was 2007. So that was seven years ago. About this time, seven years ago. And I see Sabine. And I see Sujin. and Sabine just decided to get baptized. She's committed to a church. She's going through a membership process with them. She's going to get baptized uh, in the church. And uh, Sujean's hungry, and I see these other students as well growing. Uh, one of our other students in the program accepted Christ just a couple weeks ago. And um, they're growing, these students. And I just look at Sabine and Sujean, and, guys, I... I Tears just start to well up in my eyes. And I've cried many times as I've seen God's faithfulness in their lives. That even though I didn't see them for those three years while they were in high school. And and I know that there were different boys and there were different things going on all around them. They were delivered. They were protected. And they're safe and their heart's still open to the Lord. And now they're in this program where they're getting this covering. They're getting this mentorship and this provision. God is truly taking care of them. God is so good. He is so good. And uh, I want to encourage you guys today. This sharing was about Oak Tree Project. This sharing is about God's heart for the orphan and how if we pray, these kids will be taken care of. But I also want to encourage you guys. Many of you left your family. Many of you came to Korea and you have relatives in the States or Australia, Canada, or somewhere else in the world. Some of you have, have relatives here in Korea, but you're not with them. And your heart might go out to them. Your heart might go out to certain friends that have been your heart for many years. And I want to tell you guys, it's not by might, it's nor by power. It's by God's Spirit. His love endures forever. His love, it never fails. And that as you pray, as you entrust them to God, He will provide. All you got to do is just walk with the Lord walk with Him, listen to Him, and pray. And there might be those divine moments where you get to witness to your family member or something, but odds are it's going to be someone else that's going to do that for them. And that's awesome. To God be the glory. My God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches. I want to invite up the praise team. And uh, I want us to pray, though, as the praise team comes up, also in Itaewon. I want us to pray, uh, first and foremost, for these kids. Mi Jung shared something very powerful uh, during Sunday Swim from Isaiah 58. And she asked the people that were attending, she said, how many of you guys want healing? How many of you guys need wisdom? How many of you guys need discernment? How many of you guys want God's favor in your life? And, of course, everyone's raising their hands. And she shared Isaiah 58 about true fasting. And about how if we reach out to the broken, if we untie the cords of the yoke over the oppressed, if we feed those who are hungry, if we clothe those who are naked, if we provide shelter for the homeless, then God's light will break forth like the dawn. Our healing will quickly appear. His righteousness will go before us and his glory will be our rear guard. The Lord will bless us. We will be like a fountain whose spring never fails. This is God's blessing for us if we reach out to the victims of injustice. If we choose to care. If we choose to wake up and to be God's hands and his feet. This is his promise. And as I shared, we're only as good as our word. And God's word is truth. It's bankable. You can trust in him for these things. You just got to get yourself in his heart. Prayer is the first step. I want us to pray for these kids, and uh, if, if your heart gets stirred, I want to encourage you guys, get, get the card out there in the back, sign up, we, we send it once a month, but pray for these children, I want us to pray for these children, I want us to pray that these kids will be delivered from every attack, uh, just this past month, two of our kids got invited by different cults, they both went to the cults unaware, uh, one of them, just in his spirit, he knew that this isn't right. And he got out, and later he found out he was invited to a Christian cult. The other girl was the girl that ended up accepting Christ. But before she accepted Christ, uh, she got invited to this strange church and this Bible study where it was every night uh, that she had to attend. And she was loving the fellowship there. She thought the teaching was a little weird, but she was loving the fellowship. Our mentor was trying to speak life into her, but we knew more than her mentor speaking into her, it had to be prayer. It had to be prayer, and praise God. The girl ended up finally listening to the mentor, pulling out of that. Now she's accepted Christ, and uh, we're going to get her into a good church. That's just this past month. Two of our nine kids with cults, and then you want to talk about you know sex trafficking, about bad relationships, alcohol, the different traps that are over all these orphans. Guys, they need our prayers. They need our prayers. And it's as we pray, they're rescued from hitting the ground. They're taken care of. God sets the lonely in families. He provides for them as we pray, as we be God's hands and feet. So let's pray for these children. And let's pray that they will rise up as oaks of righteousness. Let's pray. Bless the mentors. Pray strength over them. Our prayer is that by next year, we'll have 20 mentors and 20 students that we'll raise $120,000, that's our prayer, and that we'll have 20 mentors, 20 students, and our prayer is from the following year even more to the point where within a certain amount of years, every orphan in Korea will have a mentor. Every orphan will have a family, will have a place they can call home. Let's pray for this right now, church. Let's pray.